All right, he's gonna take his hand off your mouth. Don't try to scream or my boy Gilligan here is gonna shoot you. Yeah, I'll play your, uh, 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 fucking, uh, uh. I think she gets the point. Professor. Um, I'm really sorry about your boyfriend back there. He was just kind of being kind of rude. Do you mind? Okay, I guess I can figure this out. This is a kidnapping, right? That's right. So what's up with you guys? You're supposed to be the Spice Boys or something? You know, you know, you you need to, to chill with that being witty shit. Professor, put the cuffs on him. Skipper, Professor, take care of that mess in the back seat. Oh, so you must be the millionaire. Pretty soon. Read this. Father. Father, I have been abducted. I am fine. Abducted? It says abduct. Just say abducted. I have been abducted. I am fine right now, but I may not be for Loring. If you do not pay the son of one million dollars. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Loring? The son of one million dollars? What That's the... what it says. That's long and the sum of one million dollars. You know what it means. I don't know what it means. You told me to read this. That's what Just I'm doing. Say what it means, okay? Oh, wait, be careful with that one. It's Lance's crystal. It's really fragile. Ooh. <sighs> I may not be for long. If you do not pay the sum of one million dollars, you will never see me alive again. These men mean businesses. <laughs> Who wrote this? Crunch! What? I think he's pissed about the note. It says businesses. That's what it says. You told me to read the note. You never said to improv it. Oh, improv? What are you, Meryl fucking Streep? Okay, improv the note. These sexually frustrated, degenerate losers mean business. Don't, don't, don't improv the note. Don't improv the note. Gump, give me a fucking pen. Read. Dad been kidnapped, son one million or I'm dead. Perfect. All right, everybody, welcome back to yet another exciting, <laughs> titillating edition of Second Chance Cinema. I am one of your hosts, MC. My name is Spro, I'm the other one. And today we are here with episode nine, correct? Correct. Of Second Chance Cinema, the show where we take a look at movies that we don't feel got their just desserts, so to speak. And by that we mean that they've kind of either gone under the radar have been negatively received, something of that nature, when in fact they're really, really not that bad. This episode's selection is one of my personal favorite movies. Not on the level of Street Fighter, quite, but one of those movies that I just have a fond remembering of seeing in the theater and walking out like genuinely surprised happy. Like I wasn't really expecting too much, and perhaps that's why I enjoyed it so much. But I walked out feeling like, oh, that was really cool. And this had to be one of your first, like, you probably paid for the ticket yourself for a rated R movie. When did it come out? 1998. So 
I would have been 15, so probably oh, not. I guess not. But I, I mean, I remember it was a group of us that went, so there were adults present and all that kind of stuff. So it was, you know, it was. I don't think it was my first. It wasn't my first rated R movie. No, Speed no. was my first rated R movie. <laughs> but this one was definitely up there in terms of like. I was expecting it to be a lot more like I didn't do too well when I was younger with like gore and movies and all that kind of stuff. And I was expecting a lot of that with this movie, but it wasn't really about that. It was more about like style and there was humor and right. all that kind of stuff. So what are your thoughts on the remembrances of this film? The remember it. I did see it in the theater. I remember that. I mean, the trailer, which you all guys will get to listen to was just, killer mm-hmm. i remember as we talk about the film i'll talk about like my ups and downs emotionally okay. with it uh one of the things that i thought my, for my entire life until i was researching it for this episode was i was surprised it wasn't a john woo film no it i was not i thought for sure it was directed by john woo until the thing and this was coming out right around when everything else was like face off and con air and the yep. rock mm-hmm. you know it was a i'm missing one out of all those face off was 97 the rock was 90 i think those are all 97 con air was 97 i don't remember the rock might have been 96 you think nicholas cage came out with three that year it was like the summer of cage it was pretty it, i might be mixing up the dates but it was between 97 and 98 mission impossible 2 it's uh, probably around there somewhere. Ugh. But yeah, so it was it was a hot time, kind of like right now we are, how we are with all the Mexican directors, you mm-hmm. know, just just doing dynamic work. Mm-hmm. Like at this time, it was we were all in love with the uh, the Japanese directors coming over and doing their thing and mm-hmm. just putting American American actors in their films. Okay. So I was I was hyped on that, okay. and it did not disappoint. No, definitely not. So. In the past, we've asked listeners to sort of try and guess what the movie is by the trailer. However, I've come to our ninth episode realizing that that's sort of a dumb proposition, given the fact that most of the trailers, one, say the name of the movie at the end, Mm -hmm. and the fact that, number two, by listening to this, they've already clicked on the thumbnail of the poster. Right. So (laughs) we'll just go ahead and and maybe we can put that tradition, even though it was fun while it lasted, to rest and just announce the name of the movie as the big hit. Yes. This is all an evolution. That's what you want to do. You want to keep going and evolving and adapting all that stuff. So the big hit stars Mark Wahlberg, Lou Diamond Phillips, Antonio Sabato Jr. That's Christina Applegate. Oh yeah, Christina Applegate. <laughs> Layla Rashawn, China Chow was um, Elliot Gould. Elliot Gould, that's right. Elliot Gould was from Ocean's Eleven and stuff, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Which another was, surprising he, thing with the research and this, I, there's no easy way to say this, but not dead. Elliot Question Gould? mark. Completely thought he died I two years ago. Like I feel like I mourned him <laughs> I could for some. I guess maybe it was one of those internet his, pranksters. His role in this movie is fantastic, and we'll get to that after the trailer. Let's right. play the trailer because I right. do love hearing the trailers. So here's the trailer for the movie we're going to talk about today: The Big Hit. All right, gentlemen, synchronize. Get ready in three, two, one. What's that? Go, go! I'm a contract killer. That's the only thing that I'm good at. This is a bonus hit. Without a doubt, 10,000 to whoever hits the big man. Not every cream? Yeah. Oh. 
I'm really sorry about the mess. Don't get pissed! Thank you, sir. This is gonna be the right time to tell them that we're engaged. You seem like a nice enough German-Irish fella. Put, put, put. You're gonna put your father in an early grave. Hit me. I got a little present for you. Oh, who is it? Sunday tonight. I diced him up a little bit. Did you clean him? Oh, a little man. bit. Ew. Hmm. He's kind of cute. Who is that? You sure you don't want to go on this little caper we got planned for tomorrow? Oh, this is the girl? No, it's your mammy. This is a kidnapping, right? That's right. So what's up with you guys? You playing tribute to the Spice Boys or something? Hey, boss, what's going on? There has been an unauthorized kidnapping. The kidnappee happens to be my goddaughter. What? Is that true? The truth? Yeah, I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Shut up. There's a hit squad coming for your ass right now. Get him. Get him! He's after all of us. Fuck him Let's work. From the team that brought you Broken Arrow and Face Off. Well, you can't tell about the way I roll. Shorty, that I'm a ladies' man, a businessman. Condos down the shore, multi-million pension plan. But it ain't in my plan to make moves without the fan. No can you it intact. Yo, cleft through the track. Let me jump. Play the map yeah. while I pay the tax. Business is usual. Watching suspects. Pam? Yeah? Were you gonna break up with me? Uh, yeah. So, hi. I'm gonna replay that trailer. So, uh, one thing we forgot to mention is during the trailer, another tradition we've started that we're gonna keep, because we think it's pretty cool, is during each trailer, I have taken on the challenge of writing a haiku in relation to the film that we're gonna be talking about. Uh, for those of you who don't know, haiku uh, is a ancient form of Japanese witchcraft that brings about change in the metaphysical world through the <laughs> use of poetry in the form of three lines with the scheme of five syllables, seven syllables, five syllables. So for those of you who know this movie, I think you're really gonna like this one. For those of you who don't, you're just gonna have to watch it and you'll get five, seven, five, ready? Yep. Trace Buster Buster. Nice. Trace Buster Buster Buster. Trace Buster Buster. I mean, that's all you can say. That, that is that, it. <laughs> now, like I said, that will make no sense to anyone who hasn't seen the movie, but to those of you who get it, that's who I wrote it for. <laughs> so, the big hit. So, it's the story of a an anxious hitman, Mark Wahlberg. Named Melvin Smiley. Melvin Smiley, who is sort of at odds, not with the morality of his occupation, Correct. which is to kill people, right? but more so the the dilemmas he has that deal with his own self-esteem and his need to be liked. Right. He just doesn't, he doesn't want anybody to hate him. His lack of confrontational skills when it comes to his interpersonal relationships. It's an interesting dynamic between what is essentially his job as a stone-cold, cold-blooded killer and then this sort of like really like tender, warm-hearted, almost like rube of a character who just just is a mess. Right. We usually get into like who this movie is for, mm-hmm. you know, type of thing. This character, I feel, is like the quintessential female dream of a character or anybody that, you know, wants the perfect guy because you got Mark Wahlberg, who's got a heart of gold. Okay. 
in it, right? Mm-hmm. Abs of steel. Ab- right. It's the only time I've seen anybody wear a button-down shirt without an undershirt, you know, and then just keep it open the entire time. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> and point. And this is, like, fresh Marky Mark. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't Mark Wahlberg yet. Right. Because he is only in, I mean, this came out in 98, so he just did Boogie Nights. He'd done Fear. He did Fear in 96. Renaissance Man was 94 oh, wow. with Danny DeVito. Yeah. <laughs> and then Basketball, and Basketball Diaries, Diaries was 95, but nobody saw Basketball Diaries until Columbine in 99. True. And then they went back to that. That's true. So you got Melvin Smiley, who's got the Heart of Gold, the Abs of Steel, mm-hmm. and he's also, he's got the occupation that makes him a badass. Mm-hmm. You know? And he works alongside his cohorts who are played by let's see lou diamond phillips is sort of like the i don't know if he's technically the leader i guess he kind of is but he's sort of like the fast talking smooth like douchebag character right and then there's a couple other throwaway guys there's antonio sabato jr <laughs> is one of them i don't even remember his name would we say this is his biggest film what other film has he been in i don't, I don't know, know. <laughs> he had a home improvement show i know that did I, he yeah a friend of mine was on it i, I think I mean, he was just in one of my friend's films dance night obsession okay i think it was about like dancing with the stars but a murder mystery oh interesting (laughs) yeah so check that out wherever you can i guess you Um, know i thought would make a good show um instead of dancing with the stars would be uh and this is probably not timely because it's not as big an epidemic but dancing with the sars would be people with sars on the show dancing and crowning a win holy crap right it's a good idea right (laughs) i don't know okay i'm not gonna sign off on that (laughs) (laughs) anyway antonio sabato jr and then bokeem woodbine And uh, his name was Crunch in the movie, and he was pretty hilarious. He was kind of a one-trick pony in the sense that his gimmick was that he (laughs) had sworn off women and was only into pleasuring himself. Well, you recently discovered masturbation. Right, and that's his sort of, like, go-to line throughout the movie. He's sympathetic to Melvin in the sense that he's, like, trying to help him and all that, but everything that comes out of his mouth is pretty much like a whack-off joke. Right. Big hit. Yo, nigga. I said it should have some lanolin in it, not some goddamn aloe vera bullshit, motherfucker. Get it straight. Which is fine, which is funny. Um, and he's always either like buying aloe vera or like strengthening his hand with one of those things or something like that. Like a, a complex thing. It wasn't just, you know, the usual squeeze toy that you get. Like, oh, it yeah, was he had this big, like, like um, individual. F- it was like a medieval torture right. thing, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> Fingers. That was him. And then I feel like there's one other guy, but there I can't is remember who. There is the fifth one, Gump. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's not in it at the beginning. And then he, he comes in. He's not a hitman, though. He's like. Lou Diamond Phillips' friend or something. Yeah, just kind of he, like the... Because he's not one of the hitmen. He's just like... he. They, they paint him out to be like this like tech savant guy. And this is the Trace Buster This is buster. The, where the... Tra- he's the one who sets up the Trace Buster Buster so they can't... Call Money, you ready to... Uh, uh, Do it, yeah. That's my word. Right, make sure we get this right. I'm just going to fuck me up that whack-ass note he wrote earlier. All right, all right, all right. My phone is plugged into here. Now this motherfucking Trace Buster is gonna keep that motherfucker from uh, uh, Trace. uh t- tracing our shit, know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And not only does this Trace Buster keep my buster from tracing your call, but it can also, uh, 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 uh Trace? To trace the motherfucker that's tracing your shit! Alright, so what if they got a Trace Buster too, huh? Yo, 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 that's why I got this Trace Buster Buster! See, when a motherfucker try to bust your trace with a Trace Buster, this motherfucker is gonna bust the motherfucking Trace Buster that's busting your. Uh, 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 Trace, that's my word, play up! Alright, I'm gonna use my cell phone. Just patch that shit into here. Alright? Plug and play, motherfucker! 
Yep. And they paint him out to be this like young kid who's like he's kind he's of got a stutter. He's got a stutter. He's a little bit. He's like very smart, but he's not. He's socially awkward kind of thing. And the guy and, that plays him, Robin Dunn. Okay. Fantastic guy. No, you know, more successful than me, more handsome than me. But I feel like I would take him out and put in Ethan Embry to just beef up that role a little bit more. Nick Papa Giorgio, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. I know nothing about Robin Dunn is his name. Robin Dunn is his name. He is known for sequels, okay. um, but he was in Just Friends was the only other one that really. What, who did he play in Just Friends? Just Friends. He played Ray. I have no idea who his... that is. <laughs> I love that movie too. I, Ray. He did Actually, a movie called Space Milkshake. Here's a sidebar. <laughs> You've seen Just Friends, right? Right. Nice so it's way. about. So it's about Ryan Reynolds' character is like a record executive or something. Uh-huh. Apparently, there's a deleted scene that's on the DVD where his manager or his boss says, "Hey, we need to get an act that's like an Alanis Morissette type." girl right and then Alanis Morissette who was engaged to him at the time actually appears in the film not as herself but as like Neil Patrick Harris was in Harold and Kumar kind of thing nice I just found that out like two weeks ago anyway back to the big hit (laughs) wait Robin Dunn was also in Cruel Intentions 2 okay All Pair 2 The Skulls 2 okay American Psycho 2 okay Species 3 Okay, like, so he's like after the fact. Three Days in Havana, which I don't know if, if that's a sequel. Still got a number in the title. Right, I'm just throwing that out. Okay. Anyway, so all these guys collaborate together, Melvin Smiley reluctantly, but all the other guys collaborate together to orchestrate a kidnapping outside of the scope of their jobs. It's like a side project. Like a side job to kidnap a girl and hold her for ransom. She's the daughter of this like Chinese billionaire, Jiro, Jiro Nishi. Nishi. That's yep. right. He's actually the one whose company makes the Trace Buster, if you mm-hmm. look carefully. <laughs> anyway, so he's like this eccentric billionaire who has just finished making a movie um, that's caused him to go bankrupt. And the movie was like, it, from what I gathered, it was some sort of like romance epic where he played the lead and he was like this Fabio kind of guy. Right, who, but the title of the movie was Taste, Taste the, Golden the Golden Spray. Spray. <laughs> yeah, awesome. <laughs> we'll come back to that at the end, too, because it plays an integral role in Mark Wahlberg's survival uh, from Final Battle. But anyway, so they kidnap his daughter, hold her for ransom. He can't pay the ransom because he's broke. So he turns to his friend, who happens to be the goddaughter uh, or the God. godfather of his daughter, who also happens to be Mark Wahlberg and company's boss. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we set up the conflict. So now they're essentially led by Lou Diamond Phillips hunting themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's where we get into the sort of the split between Lou Diamond Phillips and Mark Wahlberg because Lou Diamond Phillips is ready to throw Mark Wahlberg under the bus to save his own ass. And Mark Wahlberg's kind of like oblivious to this whole situation right. until he gets clued in toward the end. Because Mark Wahlberg is dealing with his own relationship problems. Right. Because he's got a girlfriend who is pretty much just using him for money. Two uh, girlfriends, right? Well, the one is a fiancé. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And then Christina Applegate is his fiancé right. who is going to tell her parents that she's going to marry him. Right. But he's not Jewish. Which poses a problem for them. poses a problem for them. And he's also fallen in love with the hostage. Oh, right. Yeah. China Chow. So there's the three girls, two of them essentially, one of them, Leila Rashawn, is his like side piece. She treats him like shit and does it so pretty openly. Yeah. She's meant to be like a heel villain. And the, yeah, in, she's in a seductress. Right. Because she's also fine <laughs> while she's doing it. Christine Applegate is less of an obvious kind of villain character, but she also is 
by the end you realize that she's kind of like selfish and driven by approval and that sort of thing. Mm. So she's not entirely, you know, she's painted out at the beginning to be kind of like a good all-American girl sort of thing. You and almost then, feel sorry for her because you know that bit. he's cheating on her. Yeah, that's the weird thing is like they try to make Melvin such a sympathetic character, yet he's a contract killer and he's also cheating on I think he's only cheating on Christina Applegate because the other girl knows that he's right so he's cheating on Christina Applegate which are definitely not of a good guy I feel like there is a prequel to the big hit like there is so much more that because they just randomly throw out that his parents are dead okay yeah. you know yep. he has he does have these social issues like I feel like is it Leela Rashawn Leela I don't Layla know Leela Rashawn I, I don't know I feel like that relationship just happened because he was too nice you know to oh, like and say She's, no. she's aware that he's a contract killer. Right. Because she steps on the body and she's like, you think that, that it's going to be this big, like, what the F? But she's right. just like, ew, who is that? He's kind of cute. Yeah, exactly. It's weird because in the same dynamic where they're both like aware of the whole contract killer thing, she's like almost more cool with it than he is. She's completely cool with it, which only adds to her like villainy in a way that it doesn't add to his. Right. You know, and it's like, weird that she's not scared because she's also cheating on him with another guy. Oh, yeah. Who knows everything about Mark Wahlberg as well, that he's a contract killer. Like, I feel like that's the last relationship that you get into. Yeah, you could totally diagram this out with like <laughs> yarn and thumbtacks and stuff. So they essentially, they start the movie off with them, all the guys on a hit, which is really cool. Like, uh, that's the one where they go to the hotel and the girls are in the hot tub and all right. that kind of stuff. So and they cut out the power and they put on right. the night vision goggles. So yeah, they all come into the hotel dressed like handymen with like toolboxes, which you know reveal they've got guns in them. They've got these like bulletproof aprons and stuff. That's the whole the whole part of the trailer that shows like Mark Wahlberg essentially like break dancing while he's shooting guns. He's getting Marky Mark. Which was awesome. That whole part where he like in the beginning where they blow the lights and he's the first one in the room and he starts like shooting and then he dives behind the couch and then he does like a windmill and then like a coffee grinder thing and you shoot 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 and then he jumps off the uh grappling hook and lands on the railing right and rolls down the railing while he's shooting <laughs> it's like man they just threw plausibility out the window but it was awesome you know that's the choreographed routine that you want with these action right. movies definitely the martial arts mixed with the gunplay because it wasn't necessarily like it dabbled in like being completely unbelievable but Every time that happened, you think about another movie that you just saw, like Con Air, which was just ridiculously unbelievable. Right. Face Off, same thing. The Rock, maybe a little bit more believable, but still pretty out there. And then you bring it back to the big hit where it's got all these, like, you know, elaborate fights and gun battles and stuff like that. But it's also got, like, this heart of emotional issues and relationships and that sort of thing that was completely, not, I don't want to say balanced out everything else, <laughs> but was there definitely to offset some of those things. Right. So, and and while he's taking on this job by himself, Lou Diamond Phillips and Antonio Sabato Jr. are having tea. I like how you said that. Yeah. Antonio Sabato Jr. I you know who's going to love that? Rudy. You know who's going to hate that? Who? Rachel, my wife. Because <laughs> <laughs> I also say mozzarella, and she's like, why, why that word? Do you say Cuba? I don't say Cuba. <laughs> that, that used to bug I the hell out of me. I won't, say, I won't say where I was working, but there was not just one, but two people at the company I worked for who would insist on like pronouncing things overly emphasized when they were foreign, like mm -hmm. Cuba. I do I want remember. to bring back literally instead of literally, like how literally. the British say, literally. We are literally out of milk. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. I would love to bring back literally. So, yeah, they're drinking tea outside and pretending to fire off their guns as Mark Wahlberg does oh, all right. the work. Yeah. 
which at the time when that scene is going on, that doesn't bother me. It was almost funny, like he, like them joking around with their buddy kind of thing, until you realize later that they've got. Well, at least Cisco has um, ulterior motives throughout the whole thing. Right. When you first see it, you're just kind of like, ha ha ha, they're being dicks, like the same way I would be with my friend, like you know, grabbing the light end of the refrigerator when we're moving, kind of thing. Right. As opposed to making him do all the work, whatever. It, it wasn't until they get into a boardroom when whoever kills the main guy that needed the. <clears throat> That the hit was put on gets a bonus right and mark Wahlberg obviously killed the guy but right. lou diamond phillips shoots his corpse right it's not until crunch and vince back up lou diamond phillips knowing that mark Wahlberg was the person so lou diamond phillips could get the bonus do they though they do they kind of just wink and nod like i don't think they're actually like yeah cisco killed him yeah but cisco when he's shooting him in the elevator he then oh, high fives oh, them oh, both oh, and oh, says yeah, yeah. that's my bonus my kill my bonus right, that's right. and it's kind of like that's when i'm like well oh, vince and crunch are probably like the worst people in this movie <laughs> are, oh vince that was antonio sabato yep and were Daniel. they were they just kind of like feeding his ego though or with i think they're just like followers you know like something like that I, <laughs> see i Antonio Sabato Jr. is in the movie for all of five minutes, so it's hard to say. But Crunch, on the other hand, I feel like was a good guy because he offered to help out by yeah. storing the girl at his house and all that kind of stuff. He's the one who warned Melvin to get on, get out of town when they were hunting for him. Right. So I feel like he's got a good heart, at least. Okay. He's like a hitman with a heart of gold. Like <laughs> Julia Roberts, hooker with a heart of gold uh-huh. kind of thing. He's like well, the hitman with a heart of gold. He's like the pretty hitman. Right, exactly. So one of the cool things about what I remember about this movie was, so Lou Diamond Phillips essentially throws, like I said, throws Melvin under the bus. And then they have this elaborate sort of like final act where Lou Diamond Phillips and his crew go over to Melvin's house as Melvin has just finished preparing, well, pretending to prepare a kosher meal for his future in-laws and Christina Applegate. Uh And that's when everything goes like to shit. Like they they sit down at the table and there's this whole scene where the table I think had like the table must have a tablecloth on it yes. but you see underneath the table them like cocking their guns and aiming them and stuff like that and then this is where Elliot Gould becomes super awesome because the whole time he's I, they don't really say that he's like a recovering alcoholic or whatever but he's they being, won't let him drink right he's being goaded away from alcohol in any sort of um you know in any sort of manner but he's been sneaking it in his prune juice <laughs> so by the time they get to dinner he's drunk and he stands up to sort of take the piss out of his wife and his daughter for treating Melvin so badly. Because he's not Jewish. Right. First, her mother was against the marriage because Melvin's not Jewish. And then she sort of twisted Christina Applegate into agreeing. And the whole time, the dad, Elliot Gould, is just like more interested in drinking and <laughs> really could not give two shits about Melvin. Sit down, Melvin. I'd like to propose a toast. To my wife. Oh, Morton. A lovely woman who for the past eight years has cost me over $200,000 in plastic surgery bills. And what was the end result of all that surgery? A 57-year-old woman with the face of a beautiful 25-year-old ape. Oh, Morton! Shut your piss! I'll have you know that many men have found me to be a ravishing creature. Don't you think I'm attractive still? A ravishing creature? Yes, certainly. You're a creature. Martin, just sit down, you're drunk. To my darling daughter, Pamela. A princess, my only child, and the source of constant pride to degenerate, manipulative, gold-digging leeches the world over. 
which leads me to my would-be son-in-law, Melvin. Honey, sit down and shut your fist. Morton, please. Sit down! Now, where was I? Oh, so, the first thing we do when we meet this young man is have a big fight. Then the young man comes to me like Sidney Poitier. I have your blessing. To which I say... She doesn't deserve you. You deserve to be in an environment of tolerance and brotherhood. When I see four men, colors and creeds, sitting together at the dinner table, it fills me with hope. You see, my friends, you four men are what this country is all about. You nasty mother. So his speech is all about inclusion, right? And, <laughs> and he he calls his wife an ape, which because she's gotten so much plastic surgery. And he says one of the things that I continue to say to this day, one of the expressions that I love, which is "shut your piss." <laughs> he tells both of them to shut your piss uh, when they start to pipe up. And he's the one who stands up and rips the tablecloth off the table uh, by stumbling through it or something and, and reveals all the guns. And that's when the final act kicks off and they break out into the gunfight. They go from fighting inside the house to sort of like that's when the line from the trailer was, were you going to break up with me? And she's like, yeah, that's during the middle of the gunfight. And then Melvin leaves the house and they give chase and all that. And then they end up. What is it? They end up like in the woods for a minute. Yep, they fall oh, off a cliff. Yeah, they fall off a cliff, <laughs> and the car lands on like what was like an eagle's nest or something, <laughs> like a branch with an eagle's nest on it or something like that. Because why not? And then um, Lou Diamond Phillips just keeps surviving these crazy wrecks and stuff like that, and they ultimately end up where? At a video store. At the video store. And the video store has been like a meme throughout the whole movie because they give you the impression that in order to like satiate the people he kidnaps, Melvin rents videos for them. And apparently he's had one copy of King Kong Lives Mm -hmm. out for like three years or something like that. And every so often through the course of the movie, the video store guy, who's like this annoying, nebbishy little teenager, calls him and bitches him out for it being overdue. Saying, I'm going to kill you. Right. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's the funny part. He says says something like, we're going to hire a contract killer to kill you, which, of course... Like the second time he calls, he's like, what am I supposed to tell this girl here that really wants to rent King Kong Lives? And I got to say, I'm sorry. Melvin Smiley has headed out. Right, right, right. So then they ultimately end up at that video store for the final battle. I just want to tell you one thing. What? I will never, ever rent tapes from this store again, you snotty little... I'm going to finish what I started, motherfucker. No, no, please, no. Knock him up, bitch. Yeah? Let's go, motherfucker. Let's work. And there are two sweet Easter eggs that happen at the video. Okay. You remember either of these off the top of your head? I think it has something to do with all the posters. Well, there's a whole section of adult videos on the top level of videos that Mark Wahlberg and Lou Diamond Phillips start fighting by. And they're fighting, and you don't really notice it until they back up against it, and the camera pans up, and it says, Adult Customer of the Month. And it's a picture of Crunch, who's the guy who rips off all the time. Pretty funny. (laughs) But then, at the end, the video store blows up, and Melvin survives by taking refuge underneath the theatrical stand-up display of the kidnapped girl's father's movie, Taste the Golden Spray, which was apparently made out of, like, solid gold or right. something. Right, and that's because, like, the father had no money. They thought he had 
all this money, which he invested into the movie, mm-hmm. losing all of his money, which he obviously... Says, he says, like, all my life, I want to make big Hollywood movie. Yeah, and then he sinks it into solid gold displays. <laughs> so here's a question for you. Yeah. In the original script, the video store kid was just a voice over the phone. And when they hired Danny Smith, they were like, this guy is so energetic, we want to put him on screen. Oh. Do you think it would have been better as just a voice over the phone? And then mm-hmm. you meet him at the end? Mm-hmm. Oh, you mean he would be revealed at the end? Right. Oh, no, because I think you have to ultimately hate that kid. In order to do that, it's easier by physically seeing. Okay. Like, his appearance was annoying. <laughs> and that's what you wanted it to be because he gets his comeuppets at the end when Melvin kind of, like, tapes him, takes him by the, the collar and, like, throws him up against the wall. He's like, and I want to tell you something. I will never, ever rent videos from this store again. <laughs> right. And the kid, like, pees his pants and runs out of the door or something. I miss like video that. stores. There's still some around. Are there? Yeah, there's there's one called Family Video. Oh, yeah, there are Family Videos. I can't place it in, there's, off the top of my head. I mean, not all North of our people Ridgeville, are in Cleveland, maybe? Ohio, but oh, yeah. uh, Brook Park, there's one. Something like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a couple around, but I miss them, too. I used to, yeah, I miss them, too. And this was a pretty cool video store. Like, it had, like... It, it Two wasn't levels. Your, wasn't your average blockbuster. It was. Mm-mm. It was like it had all this weird, like uh, it looked like the set of uh, Global Guts from Nickelodeon with all these like weird metal trussings and stuff like that. <laughs> but whatever. So yeah, I think ultimately you needed to see the kid in order to get the validation at the end. He, um, kind of like squeaks out the door and pissed off. Can you explain one part to the movie? Because even as I watched this last night, I was like, I still don't get it. Okay. I still don't get it. Um. So. She's so hungry, she can eat. I know exactly what you're going to say. And then she says, I wouldn't eat a horse. And then they start to talk about pterodactyls. Well, I have one with cheese, extra cheese. I have no idea. Why pterodactyls? The exact line is like, I'm so hungry I could eat a... And then Melvin says, horse. And then she says, never eat a horse. Do you have a pterodactyl? Right. And he's he says, you're lucky. I just bagged one last night, extra cheese and pepperoni. So like maybe pterodactyl slang for pizza? I don't, I like, don't know. It was one of those like inside jokes, like you're watching a movie with inside jokes and i was like i don't because of all the is things there a like, part in america where pterodactyl is a is a, you know if another anyone knows pizza? this if anyone knows the answer to this please comment on the the Podbean page or on either of our twitters because <laughs> uh, we have no idea and actually i'm glad you brought that up because i would have forgotten to and it bugs me every time i watch the movie <laughs> It's the only thing that really does, because even so... Like, if you were hungry to say something, like, if you were hungry and the goal was to convey how hungry you were by the size of the animal that you were... You still wouldn't pick why an would extinct you pick a animal. Pterodact- why would you pick a pterodactyl, though? Why wouldn't you say brontosaurus? Like, you could say brontosaurus, but in the same instance, like, uh, there's no meat. It, they're just bones. They're just fossils, well, even, you know? Also true. Yeah, like, like you, I, elephant. I don't, I don't get... Yeah, I don't get it. Um, sperm whale. Sperm whale. I'm so hungry I could eat a sperm whale. <laughs> That's going to be my go-to from now on. So, <laughs> so the other thing is you're supposed to be conflicted, right, with what's going on with Lou Diamond Phillips. One, Lou Diamond Phillips is amazing in this. He's great. Because he's supposed to be, you're supposed to hate him. Mm-hmm. But in the same instance, his lines of dialogue are just so catchy and witty mm-hmm. that, like, knuckle up, bitch. Yep. You know, like, his energy that he brings to the role is amazing. That's it, baby. 10 a.m. tomorrow, we set up the drop, and by noon, we get paid. We gon' get paid. We gon' get paid. In the house. Store is closed. Yep. Mm. Oh, absolutely. And then to the point where, so he frames Melvin because uh, Mm -hmm. the stutterer decides to make the phone call and get the 
the trace buster buster busted so they can tr- trace the crime back to Gump. I can't wait to hear you explain. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> so then uh, Lou Diamond Phillips, Cisco, has to lead the team back to Gump. Right. And as he's about to kill Gump, he says, say Melvin, say Melvin. So Gump goes, <laughs> Melvin? And then he's like, oh, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he's like, he pretends to be totally shocked and surprised and he's betrayed. And he's like, How? Could, it, could it really be Melvin Smiley? And then he kills Gump because he has to. Right. Because Gump can then out him and say, no, this is your side job. Right. But the whole time you're like, well, you just killed Gump, your your friend, your your compatriot. But Lou Diamond Phillips does it in such a way where like, yeah, no, it's Gump's mistake because he shouldn't have made the phone call. He shouldn't have stuttered through the trace bust of bust. Oh, that's a good point. I and so you like I feel I feel vindicated with Lou Diamond Phillips being able to do that. That's a good point because yeah, Lou Diamond Phillips was originally gonna make the call himself until he got called in to deal with the situation that turned out to be the kidnapping he was orchestrating. Mm-hmm. So he's at the office while Gump's back at their like hideout. Silently praying to himself, trying to and do Lou, it Yeah, like, Lou Diamond Phillips is like, don't you call, don't right, you call, don't you call. And then all of a sudden the phone rings and it's really cool when the phone rings because he's about to light a cigarette and mm-hmm. then the phone rings and then in slow motion it like drops out of his mouth. And oh, it's such a good scene. It was great. And then, yeah, they they uh, keep Gump on the phone long enough to use the trace buster, buster, buster in order to figure <laughs> out where he is. And for some reason, they figure out who he is also because his picture comes up on oh, the yeah. computer and well, his yeah. name and his nickname. They got his phone. Yeah, but it's it's it's, it's got his picture also. It, it wasn't it like his cell phone. It was like a landline, I thought. I don't know. I mean, but anyway, Intellius.com for, for $14.95 a month, you can find out who's I calling guess. you. For 1998, it was pretty advanced. And the fact that they had his nickname was like, come on. The how, do nick- guys, yeah, okay. how do you guys the know AKA. his name is Gump? I don't remember his real name, but I feel like it was something really generic. And then it said Gump right next to it. So so do you th- so he must have been Gump after Forrest Gump. Are we, are we assuming that? I guess. I don't want to think that, though, because that's a little... What else? What other Gump would there be? Or does Gump mean something that we don't know? Probably. Maybe. Like Pterodactyl. Maybe that's just a, you know, a Southern nickname. Maybe. So the, the movie then proceeds basically kind of how you'd expect it to. There's a big showdown between Melvin and Lou Diamond Phillips. Melvin wins and then he rides off. Oh, but the girl thinks he's dead mm-hmm. because she sees the movie store blow up and then like her dad comes to rescue her without her knowing whether or not Melvin's okay. Well, Melvin comes out and that's when... But every- that's, that's not until the end. He, he doesn't come out. She goes back to school. She gets picked up by her limo driver who happens to be Antonio Sabato Jr. Vince. Who then... In, um like unlocks the back door or something and Mark Wahlberg climbs in and he right. says something like, did you miss me or something like that? And then that's when he reveals that he hid underneath the movie, uh, the, this movie sign. And he's like, yeah, your dad's movie poster was really well made. Right. And then that shows him, that cuts back to the clip of him like in the rubble climbing out from under the movie thing. And then they're on a boat. And then somehow they're on a boat. They're on Cisco's <laughs> boat, which name is... Oh, the Grand Pinocha. Yep. That's right. What's that mean? I don't know. I thought I always thought it was a type of boat. Big pussy. I, oh, does it? Yeah. Really? That's the that's the English... <laughs> <laughs> because he calls him that in the beginning. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Well, now I know. A little, a little trivia for you. Now I know. Two things that <laughs> popped into my head right now. One was a really good um, critique of sort of like suburban society when Melvin at the beginning 
pulls into the wrong driveway and the guy comes out and goes wrong house asshole <laughs> like like and he says it in a way that's like it happens all the time mm. and then at the same time all the dads who live on the block i'm assuming or all the men who live on the block all their garage doors go up at the same time and they all come out with the same riding lo- or push lawnmower and right. start mowing the lawn so that's kind of like like a dig on you know just white suburbia white suburbia right <laughs> then the other thing was the not the first kill in the movie but the first time or when they when they sort of reveal that they've kidnapped the girl is when she's being taken home from school by Melvin, who's disguised as the limo driver, mm. and she almost gets raped in the back seat by the weird guy from her high school. Right. Who's like a total bro and totally is like, he's like a total rich preppy asshole and he bums a ride home with her and he starts putting the moves on her in the back seat and she's like no no i don't want to i don't want to and the whole time you see this is when you get sympathy for melvin because you see him looking in the rearview mirror he sees what's happening he mm. hears what's happening and then eventually he realizes she's in danger and turns around and just shoots the kid and then they like strip his clothes off and put him in the trunk so there's another <laughs> subplot to the movie like <laughs> what about this kid's parents right like that's that's one of the ultimate 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 loose ends in the movie Taken. Okay, I'm going to jump to Taken real here. <laughs> All right, so I'm on, I'm on the ride. I'm assuming everyone's seen Taken. Um, spoilers. Spoilers. Spo- oh, yeah, I got. I actually got some <laughs> messages on Facebook that said, next time you're going to spoil a movie, say spoiler alert so we can tune out. Because apparently we did that with um, Split. And Jurassic World, I feel like. Maybe. We didn't get yelled at for Jurassic World. Well, but... Split, somebody hadn't seen yet. So, okay, so spoiler alert. Taken. So Liam Neeson rescues his daughter. But I'm glad we did the spoiler alert. During during the fracas, her friend who she goes to Paris with is killed. So imagine this situation. You and your friend go to Paris. You survive. Your friend is killed. Don't you imagine that your friend's parents are probably like waiting at the airport for her to come home too? <laughs> So Liam Neeson comes home with his daughter, meets her mother and her mother's rich husband at the airport. Mm-hmm. Yet the whole time, and this other girl's parents are just kind of probably like, what the hell's going on? So they probably gave him a heads well, up. I'm always imagining what that conversation was like. <laughs> Is it like Liam Neeson going to their house and being like, knock, knock, knock. Uh, yes, hello. Are you Amanda's parents? Um, yeah, I saved my daughter, but your daughter's dead. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> just, just, I mean, because that's essentially how they wrote it off in the movie. They, he just finds her in a hotel room, leaves the body, goes on his way, right. and she's just dead. Like He's like, Amanda? And then just walks away. <laughs> So, and and they make such a big deal of it at the beginning that, like, you know, Amanda's cousins live in Paris, and Amanda's family said it was okay if she go. Mm. So she's clearly not, like, an orphan or something. Right. She's got people to worry about her, yet they just completely write off her death. And I've always laughed imagining that conversation when he gets home. I wish there was a skit show that actually, like, did these kind of things. Like, dude, I imagine that I could go on with those types of, like, tangential train right. of thoughts for the Karate Kid for days. <laughs> Like, legitimate days. But that one has always bugged me. Like, uh, hello, Amanda's parents? Yeah. Wasn't able to save her. Bye. <laughs> and then for some reason, he rides away on a scooter. I and figure. now this random, almost rapist in the back of the, uh, back of the limo. It's just dead in the trunk, and they leave. I forget if they blow the limo up, but they leave it in the woods, for sure. Right. So, there's another, like, missing persons report. That... And part of the trivia said that, you know, they were in college. That they weren't high school students. Oh, maybe, yeah. Maybe it was like a boarding school, college but I, or something. So here's the thing. Another thing is the Catholic schoolgirl uniform. Never did it for me. I don't understand the infatuation. Do you wear those in college? I don't think so. I don't think there is like a private university where you wear uniforms. But this is, I think this is the, the, the Japanese aspect 
of like the director coming out. Like this is, you know, they're very into the. Oh, uh, you think the fetish the thing? Japanese anime, oh, you know, maybe, with the yeah. Yeah, like schoolgirls. Maybe, yeah. Because I've never, I never. That doesn't appeal to me at that, all. That for never, some reason, like um, high school uniforms. That never crossed my mind. I guess I was just assumed that it was like a prep school that they all, because all the girls had that uniform. Because and you had to think that she's college because otherwise it's super creepy when her and Melvin start exploring a relationship. Oh, that's a no? good point too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point too. I mean, I suppose she could be eighteen and a senior if we really want to justify it. Right. But <laughs> if we really want to delve in. I didn't. Maybe I have to watch that movie again, looking for clues as to her actual age or something like that. Is that yeah? Because it kind of gets creepy with the pterodactyl thing, because that's something a kid would probably bring up, and not a, unless she's a paleontology major. Maybe yeah. Maybe that's what it is. Hopefully, maybe she's a paleontologist. <laughs> just gonna pale. justify the crap maybe out she's, of this. Uh, what was the thing from Jurassic World? Uh, paleo veterinarian. Maybe she's a paleo veterinarian. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the big hit. Like I have a soft spot for this movie. I have the poster of it somewhere. I think it's behind one of the posters in my garage and like I said I saw it with a group of good friends when it came out and I think a lot of the movies on this list probably have that same sentimental value for us which is why we choose to include them on the show and this one definitely fits that category for me for you it sounds like you kind of just saw it and liked it oh no I, I really oh, liked it okay. I owned it I, I have no idea where my DVD is now but this was along the same lines of this is exactly what I wanted in a film uh, I know we're not doing like the rating system anymore yeah we kind of lost track. We used to have a list of like the top five. I, I think, think with like the first episode, we said like, how would you enjoy this movie? Uh-huh. I think we should go to like, who would you recommend this film to? Okay. Like, who do you think would enjoy this film the most? Anyone who digs, I mean, like basically it's, it's John Woo light mm. is what it is. So anyone who, and John Woo, I don't know. What was the last thing John Woo even did? Mission Impossible 2? No. I think he did like a John oh, no, Young did, um, movie, didn't he? No, he did, um, what's that movie with Ben Affleck where he loses memory? Paycheck? Games? Oh, Paycheck? I think that, <laughs> Reindeer. Reindeer Games? That's always the answer to what was that movie with Ben Affleck? <laughs> Reindeer Games? No, I think it was. Paycheck, he did that, I think. I mean, he went back to Japan. The movie I remember most of his is Hard Target. which It's a good one to remember. Phenomenal. So, so if you're somebody who likes John Woo, or maybe to a lesser extent, even like Michael Bay, I would say. Like, Michael Bay does mm-hmm. it a lot flashier and a lot you know, more big budget and a lot more gratuitously, but there's still a lot of the same elements you know, in the the basic gist of what you're going to... Here's the weird thing the critics were bringing up. Tarantino. If you like Tarantino, you would like this. And I think that's wrong. Yeah, I don't necessarily Not a see whole a lot, lot of, of dialogue. I mean, Tarantino is what, like, largely dialogue and mm-hmm. to a lesser extent, maybe like cinematography and stuff? Because when did Kill Bill come out? This was pre-Kill Bill. Was Kill Bill. Like two, I was in, we were in college when Kill Bill came yeah. out. So, so he's not even getting into his like martial arts choreo- <clears throat> choreography. I mean, it's certainly nothing like Pulp Fiction. Do you want to hear some of the, the scathing reviews? Yeah, let's hear some of the IMDb reviews. Look, the truth is I can't stand the idea of them not liking me anymore, okay? I mean, the idea of those two women not liking me is more than I can stand. I can't stand the idea of anybody not liking me, okay? There, I said it. The truth. That's the truth. Hey, yo, Mel. What? The hundred or so people you murdered in the past five years more than likely have relatives who don't think too highly of you. <laughs> These are actually like legitimate movie critics. Okay. That I just I found funny. Okay. Though R rated, 
its real target audience is under 18, either in years or IQ points. Oh, well, that's funny because isn't our rating for seven-year-olds? <laughs> Ooh, right? there you go. Dumb Mr. Shit. Stephen Hunter from the Washington Post. Yeah, eat shit, Stephen Hunter. Los Angeles Times said that rarest of all genre hybrids, the screwball romantic action situation black comedy, rare for good reason. Who'd want to see a thing like that? I wouldn't call him a screwball. I don't think screwball is... Screwball implies, like, slapstick, and he's just a an anxious, like... Not even a ne'er-do-well, like an, just an anxious guy who things go wrong for him. To like, me, though, the, the screwball romantic action situation black comedy, who would want to see a thing like that? That sounds I, awesome. Right. <laughs> that sounds great to <laughs> Sign me. Sign me up. Yeah, that sounds awesome to me. The one line that, it, well, there's also the gimmick, too, of him going back to the fact that he doesn't want anyone to hate him. He always, he's got like a medicine cabinet full of Maalox, I think. But then there's the one line where he says, I just can't stand the idea of anybody not liking me. <laughs> I mean, the idea of anybody not liking me is more than I can stand. And he says it with like a Boston slash LA accent, kind of. Right. And um, I've always related to that line because I feel like that sometimes too. Oh. Yeah. Oh, man. I forgot to tell you. I went to the shooting range the other day for the first time ever. I saw. And it made me think of this movie that we were going to review. Have you ever been? Yep. Well, when we were living in Bakersfield, Uh highly Republican town, we met a man, a boy, a guy. A man boy a guy. We met a male. He was from the Cal Guard, <clears throat> and he was, uh, you know, he had built his own AR-15s. And we're like, oh, oh we boy. we want to shoot a gun. And he was like, well, don't go to shooting ranges. And we're like, why not? And he was like, because the people next to you has have also probably not shot a gun before. So he's like, let me take you out into the middle of nowhere <laughs> and show you how to shoot. And he was fantastic he was probably like 20 years old that was the thing man like the people at the shooting range were the nicest people i've met in a long time and the most helpful people i've met in a right long time too and you could tell that like number one the ar-15 thing and i don't want to get too political here but <laughs> but the ar-15 thing apparently doesn't stand for assault rifle which i didn't know right which the media is what largely the media says it stands for it stands for armor right which is the company that makes them correct so i found that very interesting and just the general demeanor of these people Like, they were all carrying guns on their hips. A lot of them were, like, tatted up and all that kind of stuff that you might expect. But then you talk to them, and they were, like, number one, very knowledgeable about Mm -hmm. everything that had to do with every gun in the showcase. Right. Number two, very helpful and very willing to answer any stupid questions. And number three, willing to teach you until you got it right. And so it was like, I walked out of there. I went with my mom the first time. She loved it. Went with my dad the second time because he was pissed I didn't take him the first time. And, like, that's something that I had a really good time doing that I could see myself doing, like, go just blow off some steam. I don't know if I'd ever buy a gun, but, right. I mean, like, like I get why it's it's a recreational activity. Like, and I know that I should not be a gun owner, personally, mm-hmm. but in the same instance, like, living in Bakersfield for a little bit and being surrounded by responsible gun owners, uh-huh. I saw the other side of the argument. Right. You know, like, it's not responsible gun owners that are doing any of this, you know, things that we're seeing in the media. It's right. the irresponsible. So... It's the irresponsible gun owners and the irresponsible gun dealers. And there's too. a lack of education which like, of gun education right. in America that is causing us to have... We're getting dangerously political right now. We are. <laughs> we should probably go back to movies. Okay, so... Now let's wrap it up with one more quote about the big hit. I mean, I could go on a rant about okay. this guy All right, go named ahead. David Everett from Entertainment Weekly who said, A high-concept, low-reward hodgepodge that mingles elaborate stunts and shootouts with stereotypical ethnic humor. And this guy goes off pretty much on how this is an anti-Semitic film because of the parents. 
who are played by two Jewish people. Okay. And that's his reason for hating this film. I mean, anti-Semitic is a pretty strong accusation, considering that the Jewish trope and the anti-Jewish jokes were played largely flaps. Right. As opposed to, like, viciousness. So he goes on to, it's tempting to brand the film anti-Semitic, but it's so utterly pointless it lacks even that distinction. So I decided to go down a wormhole. Okay. And stalk David Everett. Okay. And who he is as an individual. Do tell. He does a L.A. Times interview where he labels everyone. He goes on about movies that he likes with French directors, Italian producers, Asian filmmakers. He's just a labelist, and he goes like right for that distinction when it comes to a person. And then he also wrote a book called Manly Movie Lovers. Oh. So, and this is how you could read about it on Amazon. Heads up, Manly Movie Lovers. Put down those barbells, snap open a brewski, and crack the cover of the Manly Movie Guide. You won't be sorry. David Everett points out the best, steers you away from the worst, and watches for the steamiest and most gratuitously gory films in every genre imaginable. You'll find chapters devoted to Western, science fiction movies, war pictures, action-adventure flicks, and martial arts extravaganzas, not to mention foreign films, dramas, and even musicals and romances. The best thing about this book is the bold sense of humor with which the author champions their cause, rejecting allegations of sexism and xenophobia as the vicious propaganda of godless feminists and pseudo-intellectual foreigners. Wow. Now, did what he write that, that or did like that? Is that Amazon's review of it? That's Amazon's summary, but Amazon's summary is like taken from the back of the book. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. So, hypocrite, right? There's a lot to, to <laughs> unpack there. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I just don't. <laughs> How much is this book? I don't know. I, I, I wonder I, if it's in the I library. Was... <laughs> I wonder if it's in the library because, wow. But I was thinking, like, this is, the, is ma- the this most... is one of the manliest. Of, you know, I would say this is a manly film. This is a film for guys, and the girls can appreciate it because there's shower scenes with the guys. Yeah. Like, there's no gr- uh, gratuitous nudity f- of women in this no. film. It's more so guy bodies. And, I mean, there's, like, steamy makeout scenes, but nothing, certainly nothing on the level of, like, uh, chocolat. <laughs> i never seen I it. I did it. I did it. I, I pronounced it all foreign. <laughs> chocolat. But, yeah, this, this took me back to one of the main things that my father told me growing up is that critics have to see movies. Uh-huh. And they not necessarily seeing the movies that they like to see. Mm-hmm. And so you can't really trust them. You know, like right. Ebert probably doesn't really like animated films. I don't know this. Don't quote me on it. But like Ebert's not going to like every film that is out there. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to be forced to go see the big hit. Mm-hmm. And he's going to give it one star out of four or, you know, no thumbs up, whatever. It's like being forced to eat vegetables. Right. And he's going to slander the film. And then everybody's going to look, oh, it got... 6.1 on IMDb because the critics didn't like it. Mm. But you shouldn't like focus on that. That description of that dude's book was probably the most generic vanilla <laughs> rundown of like movie description martial arts extravaganza. Like whoever wrote that thought they were writing some really poetic <laughs> shit. Like whoever wrote that, whoever wrote that thought that they hit the nail on the head like what movie do guys like? What's a what's or I'm sorry, what word do guys like? What's an ex- exciting I know, extravaganza. Let's throw that in there. I just think he like he went to see the big hit and when the jewish parents came out he was like uh jewish parents mm. you know like oh they had of course they had to be jewish it right. was it was different than you would ever see right and i don't get what his beef is like they didn't exactly i mean they kind of vilified the mother a little bit yeah the but not the father pure comic relief not elliot and gold the, and the christina applegate character was just like kind of there she like, was she was like a plot device she almost. was like new york wasn't she like she had yeah, an accent she had like a brooklyn kind of accent sort of thing yeah but the father like you brought up the father father's speech at the table was all about you know 
everybody acceptance right stuff, yeah like look at all the colors at that's this right table. yeah he talks about all the hitmen who are at the table he's like look at all the the majesty of the colors at this table <laughs> yeah yeah that guy is full of shit that, what's his yeah, name david everett he wrote for entertainment weekly i sure he I'm, did i'm just gonna throw it out fuck him yeah find us on twitter david everett you piece of shit all right big hit was wonderful yeah we like the big hit we think you'll like the big hit if you're into action movies if you're into action movies especially with a good sense of humor go see a young marky mark mark Wahlberg. almost a self-referential sense of humor like you can tell some of the things in the movie were like a nod at the genre and some of the things too were a complete like departure from the genre like you know this was a movie that was an action movie by i would say by general classification but like the love story in it was pretty you know conflicted and poignant also Mm -hmm. which like you said might be appealing to female viewers but also just gives the movie as a whole a new kind of dynamic to contrast with the action yeah there's definitely there's a lot of action a lot of humor it's definitely not like strictly maybe it didn't make the guy's man book of Mm -hmm. movies or whatever it was i gotta read that book (laughs) because of the comedy and because of the heart and yeah I would recommend it to everybody. So we like the big hit. We think it's a good movie. We think it doesn't get the credit it deserves because of people like David Everett. For that reason, I think we can both agree that the big hit wasn't Wasn't that that bad. So that's been another episode of Second Chance Cinema. And until next time, we've got a good one coming up next. So until next time, we will see you back here at Second Chance Cinema. Big Hit was produced by Zyde Perry Productions. It was distributed by TriStar Pictures. Second Chance Cinema is a fan of the film and urges you to check it out. Closing credits music is from the film's soundtrack. If you didn't know, this is Apache by the Sugar Hill Gang. Thank you for listening to this episode of Second Chance Cinema. If you have any comments, questions, corrections, or would like to recommend a movie for a future show, you could reach us at 2ndchancecinema at gmail.com. We have a Second Chance Cinema Facebook group. You can find us on Twitter at MCNSpro, or check us out on Instagram at 2ndchancecinema. To help our little show out, please tell your friends about us, leave a review wherever you listen, and be sure to subscribe and download each episode you listen to, as those simple steps makes us much more visible in the universe, which makes these fine secret cinematic masterpieces more visible. And isn't that really the whole point? Now go on, and have a beautiful day, you wonderful person, you. And remember, if you're gonna bust a trace, you're gonna need a trace buster. But if you wanna bust their trace, then you're gonna need a trace buster buster. But if you wanna bust that trace, then a trace buster 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 is for you. <laughs> so silly. Enjoy your day. I like Kimosabe, of course it's me. A better known as the Master G. A fucking new squad, sense the danger. When it's stung by the rapping ranger. Had a little talk with my medicine man. He said, get them squads fast, educate to all you girls. I wanna join my tribe, just move to my rhythm and feel my vibe.